Welcome to the Whistling Beautiful Podcast, a personal journal as a podcast which focuses on life events, life stories, love, relationships, romance, food, pretty much anything, and all things beautiful. I am your host today. My name is Whistling Beautiful, also known as Lola, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Keep listening. Thank you. On today's episode, Whistling is going to be a guest on her show for the second time this season. Well, T is going to be the host. They are going to be analyzing the California fires that were sparked by the gender reveal, the pastor who killed his wife, and also a continuation from a previous episode about death and other things that have to do with society and news. Do not miss today's episode for anything in this world and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Whistling Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Whistling, and today is September 16, 2020. So imagine half of the month is gone. It's almost time to pay rent again and all. But I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Um, I have a guest today. Well, not a guest, actually. I am a guest of my show for the second time. And I have a host, and she he, he lives on the other end of life. And she's a member of, we used to read together book club, which is my book club with a whole bunch of other girls, really cool girls. And she's a QC alumni. So you know how QC girls are. No, I'm not going to talk about that podcast. Hey, T. Hi, Lala. How are you? I am good. Good, good, good. How have you been? How has your week been? I have been well. My week has been well. I'm happy that we're halfway through the week. Um, But also sad, like you pointed out, is September's almost gone. So uh, what happened? Hey, I don't know either. September was just here and it, it went, it went by so fast. I mean, last week was so like eventful. And this week is like middle of the month and it's almost the end of the month. And then it's about that time, first of the month, where all the bills are due once again. Um, last week in California, I don't know who is on the West Coast listening on this podcast. I hope you guys are all safe. We had the fires. I don't know who decided to have a baby shower. A gender reveal. I mean, tell see, what do you think of a gender reveal? Do you think it's necessary? I'm going to keep my peace on that because... Okay, from the bottom of my heart, I don't see them as necessary. I think that um, gender reveals separate from baby showers, I don't think are necessary. And it's interesting how big they've become and the things that people are doing, including burning down California. But um, I can see why some people may want to do them, but necessary, no. Yeah, I feel so too. It, it, it's so ridiculous. Now everybody in California knows that the baby is a boy and it has affected people, you know, people have moved out of their homes. People, I mean, it just stopped life temporarily and people woke up in the morning and saw this huge, bright, glowy looking sun. I don't even know what to even call it because I live in the valley. So I was just looking at images on Instagram and I'm like... Wait, at least I saw them. They were terrible. Like, 
I know. It looked like, like old school, like black and white photos that were like all orange. I know, like the, the I think it's a sepia um, filter or whatever it's called. That was what they look like. And I literally asked one of my girlfriends that was like, wait, is this a filter? She's like, no, for real, this is what outside Outside. Like. My um, question though is, so what's going to happen? Like, so it's obvious how some of this fire started from this gender reveal. What happens to that family? Like, what is the future of these um, gender reveal equipment that can cause fires because clearly they didn't use blue confetti i know i have i you know the funny thing i never really followed up on that story it was just so bad that it affected people you know i mean i had washed my car on monday and by wednesday it was just all ashes and all like you would think i didn't even i've been driving a dirty car all week i don't know and i hope they don't have a lawsuit you know when like the state well, there's nowhere there won't be like just with the amount of damage that it's caused, apparently, um, I have heard that they're saying that um, the smoke is going all the way to Europe and even here on the East Coast, is they're saying it's blowing all the way this way as well, is it's major. It's not like, I guess we have to do something about this because this isn't the first time, I don't believe that a gender reveal is causing something like this or someone's carelessness or it's between like fireworks and this, like it's a big issue. I know. I mean, all just to find out the sex of a baby, you have to go through all this and then pretty much burn down a whole state. And probably like, I think it was California, Oregon and Washington that was affected. But now I'm hearing this from you now that it's come all the way to the East Coast and even all the way to Europe. So that's interesting. Yep. That's what I saw online, that the smoke is blowing all the way. Like, the, have you seen the images um, like from space of the fire burning? It's wild. No, I haven't. Actually, I think I kind of stopped when it got to Oregon and I'm like, oh, Lord, please, if you have sinned, forgive us because this is crazy. I haven't. I mean, this year has just been every month. It's a new Olympic challenge. That's the way I see it. <laughs> but isn't it crazy how one corner of the country is burning and then the other corner of the country is about to be swept away by water? Please. I think I have missed out a lot. Because I'm so like the hurricanes on this other side. Oh Lord, those things are still rolling. I'm sorry, I I just totally. Last I heard, they're expecting Hurricane Sandy. I think yeah, I think her name is Sandy. It's an S now, because the last one was an L. But look, she said her name is Sandy. I think hurricanes are guys, right? I don't know why they. No, they've been. I feel like the last couple that I followed have have female names, but I know they just followed the alphabet. Because the last one was something quite complicated that most of the news reporters even couldn't pronounce. So you're like, why, why are we doing these guys? Hmm, that's interesting. I'm tired. This is just, I mean, 2020 for me is a tired year, period. It's just every month is a new Olympic challenge. It's a new, it, it, it's, it's something new. And like, I can't, I don't know if I want to say I want this year to be over because we don't know what October will bring. We don't even know what 2021 is going to bring. The elections are coming, you know. Is this a leap year? Yeah. Is this a leap? Yeah. I think oh. so, yeah. Well, yeah, years are supposed to be good luck. What's going on? Look, this is what I told somebody earlier, like today, or was it yesterday? Is 2019 was mild to us. Like, a lot of people had a very mild, you know, timid 2019, 2019. You know, 2020, we were super ready. But when 2020 came, that baby was packing heat. No pun intended. My dear. Um, 
2020 gave us its might. We were not ready for what it was, but we knew it was going to be a great year. All of us had prophesied, it's 2020 is my year. 2020 is, 2020 said, 2020 is my year. I'm, I'm going to show y'all what 2020 is like. 2020 has been giving us hits back to back, like back to back. What another banger. Over it coming, another one, and another one, and another one. And you're like, ah, kilo day, what's going on? So yeah, yeah. And also I was on, in, was it Instagram? These days I don't even know where I get my, my Olofofojis from. But, Information. I don't know where I got that from. And then I was reading about the pastor that killed his wife. Like, Girl. That one is a totally different podcast episode. That one is going yeah. to have its own from beginning to end. And I think I need guests for that one because that one was just, oh, I don't that know. That was too much. That was too much. Like, um, I think I saw clips of him saying, uh, just talking about if, he, if I don't kill your sister, something, something. That was wild. The entire thing about it. Right. Like you said, I can't, I can't. Like, I can't even begin to process it in terms of and he how that, oh, and why so just imagine you get dressed you want to go to work in the morning and you get to your job and you're like by the door and you start i mean it's 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 horrifying i don't even know what her last words or what she would have what her last thoughts would have been and then getting killed by somebody that claims to love you that's supposed to protect you i mean it's it's painful it is so painful to even think about but this is the world like 2020 became a totally different world it's like i don't know i think we're really living in the last days like a lot of people have predicted because this is just i've never heard anything this bad i mean i know i've heard worse things but might sound crazy but like you said is like if these are i would hope that honestly like this is the worst of it and these are the last days because if this is just like a bump in the way if this is like hump day of the entire world then since we still have a long way to go we just hope that the crazy pipes down a little because i know and then with the elections coming up too and the, the coronavirus issue like what do you think you know trump is making things just so easy for him not to get voted in but i still believe that he's going to get voted in and i don't know why i just feel democrats do not have a strong candidate and this talking about trump and the election is a whole season (laughs) it's not it's not a thing you brush over in an episode and yes you are right like um trump isn't making it easy for himself but in just doing that alone is there so many people who that is enough for them is just their hatred for joe biden and just the democrats and just stupidity is i know but why and then but but then again it's not only stupid people that are trump supporters like the most intelligent of them too might be very seasoned professionals or very highly intelligent people but lack common sense and decency that's that's what really sucks about the whole thing though like even when in 2016 you know it was mostly women that voted for him and white women and you know just a whole bunch of like when i was looking at demographics i'm like wow this is interesting 
But now, I don't know, I haven't really leaned into politics to see what, you know, who is voting or how the votes are coming or where, you know, like the whole um, statistics of the voting, whatever. But I think that most people, especially Black people, should vote. People take this thing like a joke. It's, it's also the same too in Nigeria, how you have them recycle presidents like all these old oh needs to be gone i know i know i i didn't want to bring nigeria into this spot. no you're fine you're fine but no i'm with you on that like um it is interesting like um it's, it's funny like i feel like maybe because of the season we're in we talk about this stuff like day in day out so what you're saying i almost feel like i even just had this conversation like earlier today is um i'm i I think I missed like 2000 and I guess, what year was it? I feel crazy. (laughs) No, but 2008, like Obama years. Like I remember being in college. I remember um, like the campaign. I remember feeling like motivated. I remember like people coming, like all the young people stepping up and like wanting to vote, wanting to like bring change. I just remember that feeling. And I remember when Obama then won, like, how happy we all felt and like how cheerful we were and then come I guess the last election like you said is 2016 and we're all looking around like um what happened here like where was that where's that strength where's that ginger like where did everybody disappear to and my big fear in now considering all that is going on in America let's not talk about the world but like with um Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives, which let's not talk about that, um, but police brutality, that entire craziness and how racism is just sitting down staring us in the face like, I don't care about you guys, is I'm hoping that the way that young people stepped up and voted then is not, what, is not, is not the same energy that these crazies are going to use to come out of their trailers and god knows whatever wherever else these creative people live to come and back trump because some people I, I i don't think they care about other people or even themselves they just like the fact that trump is in and it's not the democrats like they don't care how it affects them they just are making a, a statement a you made a valid point that's true um just like what you said I was in college and I remember the night that Obama won. I think I was in my genetics class and I don't even think I could pay attention for anything. I know back then we used to have those rubbish phones. It's not even like now where you can go on Instagram and watch a live video or something. You mm-hmm. really had to log into the internet on your phone. And we're, you know, we're trying to see and, you know, we're looking at the people who are in the cafeteria to see if they're like, you know, jubilant or whatever. And when Mm -hmm. he won, it was like the best moment. Everybody was so happy. And fast forward to 2016. But now I feel like, as like from what you said, the police brutality, the racism should actually ginger people to go and vote to make that change. I don't think racism is going to ever go away completely, but at least you can do something. You know, this whole Black Lives Matter, let it count. Let, Let the movement actually count. I mean, I think Brianna's family got compensated with, I think, $12 million. I was reading on, on the news yesterday. But mm-hmm. it's not going to bring her back. It will probably yep. give the family some comfort and whatever, whatnot. But at the end of the day, is this going to happen again? 
because one thing I noticed is there's always a trend. It starts a trend. People fall for it. They make so much noise and then it goes away. And then guess what? It comes back again in a different form. Yes. And know? to your point, money is not justice. Money is just here. Sorry. Keep quiet. Like they can't, they can pacify them, but it's not justice because to your point is America is the baba of rinse and repeat is it just keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening. Like it just manifests in a different way. And you start asking yourself is, are these people not paying attention to what happens somewhere else? Are they, do they not care or do they just want to go viral as well? Like, what is it? Right, right, exactly. That's exactly how I feel too about the whole thing. But I just hope on the third, there'll be a change. And I was reading this morning that someone, I can't remember who it was, but the guy was saying that um, martial law should come into place if Trump doesn't win. And that by itself is another problem. Sis, I was telling somebody today is, um, I remember, again, four years ago, 2016, talking all that heat about, oh, if Trump wins, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, and then he won, and we were like, you know what, it's okay. This time around, I told them I can't make any promises of what I will or will not do if Trump wins, but I do that I would cry my eyes out because four years ago when he won, I remember I, was, I wasn't even in the States. I was visiting my sister in London and I remember going to bed, waiting to, to find out what the votes were in our problematic Florida and the other states. I remember waking up and seeing like Florida was for Trump and my heart sank, like my heart hurt. It was like the deepest like heartbreak I had ever felt. I was like, what is this? Like just knowing what that meant. And then I spent the next couple of months praying that some scandal will break and that what's it called, he'll be disqualified. It's four years later. I can't feel that feeling again. I hope we don't like, I just really hope we don't, but with how everything is playing out right now, we're going to take whatever it gives us. And if he wins, we'll just chuck it up to 2020, handing out L's. 2020 is actually the year of the L's, in my own opinion. And I think that was the the topic for the last podcast. 2020 was literally the the year of the L's. It was just ridiculous. Everybody chopped something. I mean, I chopped a lot, yeah. That's it from, I think middle of last year all the way to this year with my dad being in the hospital and then you know him transitioning that was a lot of losses for me in that that time and so after a while I just started making life kind of count on my own end so yeah and that is an awesome segue into our actual planned conversation for today okay so um since you brought that up um, I know, I guess two episodes ago, you had talked about um, uh, death and what that meant to you. And I know you talked a lot about your dad and his passing and your grieving. And um, I don't want to make this about that because um, that is a closed chapter for you, I will say, which you mm-hmm. fully expressed. But I would say is... So kind of talking about 2020, but maybe for you more of a year as a whole, because like you said, it started your dad um, being hospitalized started like mid last year. So I would right. say in 
in the last year so let's do like a 12 month type situation um okay. or let's focus this more about like in the for the last year for you so the 12 month um period so not just 2020 but between starting from 2019 um, so I know one thing that you pointed out in that other, um, episode was how, um, you mostly grieved in 2019 and not necessarily now after his passing. Right. Um, I guess my question for you is what was that like? Um, I don't, sorry, you may have to chop this out. Um, but what, what was that like for you, like um, having your dad in the hospital and having to um, make all those decisions about his treatment and his state while he was in the hospital? Okay. Um, it wasn't, initially, everything seemed to be okay because he had a ruptured appendix. So that was fine. But what the hospital failed to state was that he had sepsis. So I am dealing with their lab results and I'm putting in air quotes, you know, whatever it was that they told me was wrong with him was what I had to stick with. And then all of a sudden they had to perform a surgery and they said they didn't know what was wrong, why he kept getting sicker and sicker and all that. So he had a surgery that put him under for almost seven days. And when he came out of it, it became a different problem because he had problems breathing. So um, when you have sepsis, it affects your organs depending on how bad it is. I actually read that he had sepsis in his death records. So to me, I had zero clue of what was really wrong. The hospital management kept telling me they didn't know what was wrong. His tests kept coming back clear. So we were just like, okay, what is going on? And all for, you know, I guess it was just to get insurance money in the sense that, you know, as long as the insurance will pay, they'll keep treating him for whatever they think or could manufacture is wrong with him. Mm -hmm. um, making decisions, I had power of attorney for my dad. So I had to make medical decisions. It was kind of tough because I... It was like I had a remote control to his life. So it's either I turn the TV on or I turn it off. And um, my mom didn't help either. So my mom was in the state of whatever it is that you decide, I'm okay with it. But you don't really know how she feels because she's not going to tell you how she feels. She just believes that she trusts your decision, you know, in the sense as a kid, like, okay, you know, what would you do if you were in this situation? And I kind of, I kind of was raised in um, a way where my parents always made me make decisions in their own path. So if they were in that situation, this is what they would do, right? So I was able to make decisions independent of, so imagine I'm trying to go to, let me just say, we're taking common entrance exam and you have to go to either Shagamu or QC, right? So my parents are not going to influence my decision and tell me to go to QC or go to Shagamu. I have to make that decision myself. So mm. under those questions, do I want to be a boarder or a day student? Do I want to live at home or do I want to stay away? You get what I'm saying? So you start drawing- You go to a choice. <laughs> right. So 
So you have to, you have those questions. So my parents do not influence the decision. It's more like, where do you want to go? Let us know where you want to go. And we're good to go. That was what mm-hmm. it pretty much was for me. So I've always learned to make decisions in, in like, if it was my parents, what would they do? So if my brother mm-hmm. was in the care or if they died, how will I take care of my brother? That was the kind of like, um, mentality that I grew up with. So my mom always said, well, if, if you if me and your dad die, you need to take care of your brother. So I grew up with mm-hmm. that. Now. You get what I'm saying? So that's what it is now. So my dad being sick, my mom literally trusted my decision. So if she, if I said, pull the plug, they'll pull the plug because it's mm-hmm. okay with me. But I had to worry about her. And I also had to worry about my brother because they were also factors. They are also family members and they're also important people in my dad's life. So mm-hmm. I have to worry about both of them. But mm-hmm. um, my brother too always told me that life is a risk. So whatever decision that I made, he was okay with it. So I had to struggle with a guilty conscience because my dad initially had given me the document to sign that, okay, this and this and that and that. And then I kept stalling. So Mm. I think, I don't know if I said it on the other podcast, when my mom did her direct care um, paperwork, I had signed it. So if I went home today and I found my mom unconscious on the floor, that's what she wants. She'll tell me to let her go. So there's no risk application. I don't need to call the ambulance. I can only call them to come pick up her body. But I don't need to call them. Was this as a result of um, your dad being in hospital for a while that she made that decision? Or has this always been her choice? No, my my mom made her choice a long time ago. I was supposed to do that for my dad the month before he got sick. So somehow, I don't know if he felt he was going to die or something was going to go wrong because he kept pestering me. And then I just signed it, but I never went over, you know, what, what to really do if anything happens to him. So that was where I kind of got really stuck. And I had like a whole bunch of guilt on my conscience. It was very difficult to make decisions. I had to pray. I had to try to figure out what to do. It was hard. It was, it was very difficult. But at the end of the day, I had to logically think about some things in his own way. So if he was sitting up in bed or sitting on a chair, looking at himself, mm-hmm. right? Would he like to How would he feel? Him? Exactly. So, so that's... Go on. That's interesting because um, when you say it like that, like, I'll be very honest, like, I did have a conversation with my dad many years ago and he was like, look, if anything happens to me, I'm like DNR. And I was like, uh, let me tell you right now, is depending on what actually happens to you, I will wake you up. <laughs> is, um, no, I'm not even kidding. I think, dep- like, I'll be very honest, like as much as I would love to res- respect his decision. And I think in having a conversation with him, his thing was he didn't want to ever live like a vegetable. And um, just like be in the shell of his body and probably not even conscious or maybe conscious, but not be able to do anything. And I think for him, that's where that decision came from, because he did or does have a friend who is in that state. And I think just the thought of it is just too much for him. But I did tell him is, look, depending on what's happening to you, I'm definitely going to resuscitate you. So you should tell your other children what your true decision is, because if it's me, I've already told you my side. So don't even feel any type of way when you're looking at me and I'm saying, no, wake him up. But um, I'm, I'm just keeping 100. But um, when you say that, because um, you referred to 
um, having the power of attorney on your parents. And I think that's something that um, we had talked about at some other time and something I think is very important that um, we should talk about, especially us in our 30s and God knows how old the rest of um, our lovely listeners are, but um, as a child with older parents who um, you have like the power of attorney uh, over your parents is what advice would you give to, I guess, the rest of us who our parents may not have made these decisions or thought through these things is how do you bring it up with your parents or how do you, how do you start the conversations with your parents and how do you kind of steer them in the direction of trying to make these decisions so that if something should happen to them is we are all prepared. Like I, I think some Nigerian parents probably have wills, but they don't discuss it with their families. But even with wills, you're talking about if you die, but what about if you get sick, what do we do? Like, so um, can you talk a little about that, please? Okay. Um, you can never, I don't think there is ever a perfect time to talk about anything like that. My dad was diagnosed with stage three prostate cancer in 2017. So if anybody thought he would have died of the cancer, it would have been us, his family members. But guess what? That wasn't what killed him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at that point, you're trying to prepare in case the worst happens, but it, it, it just never happened. His sickness and death came like, I think I should say it came like a thief in the night. It just happened all of a sudden. And he went from being in perfect 100% state of health to zero. Like he was not responsive, not doing nothing. So there is never a perfect time. If you want to say, oh, you know, and I know Nigerian parents have this mentality. They want to grow old. till they are. I mean, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that question. Hey, Everybody wants to grow old till they're 100. I mean, it's every Nigerian parent's prayer not to bury their kids, for their kids to bury them when they're old, when they've seen their kids and their grandkids. But life is not promised for anybody, mm-hmm. young and old. Death is not a respecter of persons. It comes as quickly and goes away. There is not a perfect time. I'm telling you, because I remember back then when my dad would bring the paperwork, he sees me in the morning. He's like, oh, you know, I want to know. I'm like, dad, I got to go. I got to go to work. We'll talk about this later, I promise. And he's like, okay. On the weekend, I'm going to brunch with my friends or I'm going somewhere. And so it just went by so quickly. And so when it happened, even when he was in the hospital, I didn't think nothing was going to happen to him. I just thought he would come home. Until when I got the phone call that he was found code blue and he couldn't speak to me anymore. So um, when you have older parents or your parents are getting older, or I don't know the English term, whatever, but I guess whoever is listening would get it. I think it's something you should bring up as maybe an individual topic with each parent first to see or know, you know, how they feel about it. It's, it's a topic that's bound to happen somehow, someday. You need to bring it up. You need to bring it up. You need to talk about it because you don't ever want to be stranded with what if anything happens? What if they decide to travel and they don't come back? 
have a family friend. Her husband went to Nigeria. He was coming back to the United States. And I think he went into the bathroom. He slumped. And that was it. Mm. And now he's a vegetable. Would you have expected that? And he was on the plane. So he had to end up in Atlanta. And then they had to bring him back to, I think, San Francisco after a few months. But these things are not planned. Nobody ever prepares to, you know, either pass out or die or just fall ill in any kind of way. So these are things that you need to talk about. Even us being the age that we are, once you're in your 30s, you need to start preparing. Death is something that comes to anybody at any time. So you don't want a situation whereby your family members too are also thinking, oh, what, what if this happened to this person? Oh, but, you know, we never discussed it. Oh, I want to obey her last wishes or this or that. You never want your family members to feel that guilt that they didn't give you the chance to live. They didn't give you the chance to survive. So you need to talk about these things. They're, it's very important. Like, I, I can't even state how important it is. It is very so if you get the chance if you want to take your mom to brunch and bring up that morbid topic of you know what will happen if you die or what will happen if this and that happens do it it might raise a lot of argument but in the end you're get them thinking. right yeah it gets them thinking and it will also get you thinking too you know like now i'm thinking about buying insurance you know but again that's not something i want my boyfriend to know if anything happens to me today he will claim me as <laughs> how much i miss <laughs> but, yeah, that's very interesting you know yeah because you start telling your other half these you know these days you can't really trust anybody and i'm just being honest you don't want to end up dead and then it's like someone is putting a 1.2 million life insurance I'm like wait what yeah mm-hmm. so it happened to a lot of people and i learned from people it's happening too often in here, especially in the States. Is exactly. Like you said, it's somebody, t- I think I read a case about, um, an article about someone's nephew who was found dead only to find out that the uncle took out a policy on him and that's how he disappeared and turned up dead. Like I know I've very, sum- I've summarized this um, story a lot, but somebody's uncle took out a policy on him and then killed him. Like how did, one point something million and it was just like is that really the cost of somebody's life but was was the uncle like a drug dealer too because i know that sometimes that even happens when you're a drug dealer you take out a policy on somebody and then i think he was supposed to be a successful business person so it's honestly greed but at the cost of somebody else's life it sounds more like you know But look, I was teasing my sister as well as I was telling her, um, like, I was just looking at, like you said, it's like when you're putting your affairs in order is like between like writing a will and all that kind of stuff is like even your um, your retirement savings, you have to designate what you want to do with that as well. And I was teasing her. I was like, oh, give me a social security number. Let me put you on here so that my ex-boyfriend is not the one that gets in all my uh, benefits. I have a coworker who said... Um, for her family was her her mom's ex-husband passed but not before he could convert all of his like um i guess prehistoric um like 401k and that type of stuff to his new wife so when he passed everything went to his ex-wife oh oh snap that's crazy 
Yep. Because that's what it had been from scratch. And he didn't get a chance to switch it over after, I guess, they weren't married anymore. So when he died, everything went to the ex-wife. And I'm not sure there's an ex-wife on this planet that will be like, oh, I got this check by mistake. It's probably yours. Uh-uh. No way. If it's me, my dear, I'm spending it. I am spending it. Whoa, that is crazy. Wild. Even, even for me, I would rather put my sibling or my kids as oh, definitely. as next of kin as opposed to a spouse. So, um, dear boyfriend, future husband, um, no. Look, look out for the kids the husband and the spouse will be all right and to your point is um god make us let, grow old but you can never tell who's going first so right right you can never tell who's going first exactly exactly okay so to something else you said um and just talking about like um i guess whatever advanced directives or whatever i know sometimes like there are things where uh, like we said, is you can, in your will, you can say, I want this to happen to these properties, my money, all that kind of stuff. But some people also decide to be like organ donors and things like that. I don't know what, um, I guess, your parents have decided for themselves or even you personally. But I do remember that you were irked by the people who kept calling you after your dad passed um, regarding like organ donation. Um, so with that question or with that in mind is, um, was your dad a registered um, organ donor? And if not, uh, when the time came and they were asking me questions, um, would you say you were more concerned with preserving him the way you knew him and as he was, or did you even consider that, oh, you know what, um, donating his whatever it could be could help like science and advancement in the world? Okay. Um, to answer the very first question, I have zero idea if my dad was an organ donor. Like, I never checked. Like, anything that had to do with my dad's medical record, he kept them on his own. So I have a weird family dynamic, right? My dad was in charge of anything that had to do with records, records of anything, school results, whatever, bank statements, taxes, it's all my dad. So even like my mom at the time was clueless. And it was funny. I don't know if I ever told the story about the safe. We have a safe at home and that's where passports and every important document in my whole household is in. My dad is the only one that has the combination to the safe. Wow. And the reason being, my mom never wanted to know what the combination was. And my mom, even after his death and everything, she kept saying, and he really tried to tell me. And I was like, you know what? As long as you're keeping it, it's okay. So they yeah, have to double up trust. Exactly. My mom is a diva. As long as my dad does it, it's, it's okay, you know? Even till now, the other day, I, I changed the sheets on her bed. And she's like, ha, huh, see, if your dad was here, the sheets would have been ironed. My dad was so meticulous in his life. I've never seen anyone that would wash, that I would do laundry, wash the sheets. And my dad would literally take the iron and iron them and fold them. You would think you were, you were in a five-star hotel, like literally. <laughs> Does your mom listen to the podcast? I just want to know if I should point out that I side-eyed her. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. I'm not an influencer. I'm not going to say what I do. <laughs> she will. Just, just let her nails down when I did decide I. So we're doing it politely. 
<laughs> oh, don't worry. It's a, it's an inside joke in my house too. We still I still make fun of her with that. Every time I want to change the sheets, I'm like, hey, yeah, your bed sheet is jaga jaga today, so don't worry. <laughs> you enjoy from the closet. Right, I just fold them, I just put them in the hallway closet. I don't have time to scrumpled with love. Girl, yes, exactly. I have other things to do in my time. At least last worst case scenario, last last they're going to lay on them and that's it, you know. So um so my dad was the only one that had the um the password to the safe, which was really like a that's a zero right there. And when he was in the hospital, I asked him because the hospital needed his social security for the insurance. And I was like, I don't even know what it is. And I asked him, I'm like, dad, do you know what the combination to the safe is? And he's looking at me like, you know, I don't even know what was crossing his mind at the time. And so I just let it go. So I told him, I said, well, just go through his medical records and find it somehow. I can look for it on the tax, the tax return. But again, the tax return stuff is all in the safe. So when my dad had passed we couldn't open the safe and they needed his um, official to file a death certificate and the burial permit and for the life of me i didn't know what to do my brother asked him do you know what the combination to the safe is well he has it i've opened it with the combination but i don't know where he put it my dad can hide things for the whole of Africa. I looked everywhere, searched everything, I couldn't find it. And again, let me just know, like, I don't think I really had the patience to like really look if I wanted to. To cut the story short, we thought the safe, you know, we were going to break into it. And out of frustration, I was so angry. I was just yelling, talking to my uncle. I'm like, I'm tired of this stuff. I'm so frustrated. And I was like, this safe, we have tried to open it and it won't open. Towel, tea. I can't, for the life of me, believe. I pulled the handle and it opened. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like I, I, I don't so even it wasn't know. Even locked. I don't know if you no. It was locked. I'm not kidding you. This thing we mm. pulled, we opened everything. There was nothing we didn't do. So that's by even the wayside. Like okay, I don't hey, even God, want move. I, I think I think God really worked on that safe because I'm telling you I was about to take the safe to a locksmith to break it because that was he the remembered what you had he didn't forget you and he knew what you had been through in the last year so my dear even when I told my uncle my uncle was like the safe is open I was like I cannot even believe it myself because he was there trying to even open it we were looking for combination there was nothing we didn't try to do and all i did was just yank it out of anger i was like this damn safe needs to open and i just yanked it and it opened so um what was i can't even remember enough ah, we're about, talking about organ donors i asked you if, so if he was an I organ had, donor yeah so i i have no i i had zero idea of him mm. being like an organ donor like i never even went through any of his medical records i only went by whatever he told me this is how this is how i related with my dad my dad had cancer and then he had a whole bunch of eye problems so he was either going to to the uh, optician or whatever so all i did was take him to his appointments or whatever he needed to do and then he would tell me the aftermath of whatever it was you know how things went out so 
when it comes to all those things, my dad took care of himself. So I was, he wasn't mm-hmm. so reliant on me. Unlike my mom, my mom, I always have to know whatever it is that she's doing because she can't do it by herself. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, can you help me? But my dad is very like independent. So mm-hmm. um, for the organ don- donation stuff, I couldn't. But as soon as this man died, I think I was in the room with him and I started getting phone calls oh this is juicy davis we're calling because da, 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 da. and they want um they want his organs and i was like can i talk to you guys later in the day when i'm not like you know i'm right here with him they're like oh yeah you need to make a decision quick and i just hung up i'm like what's retard why are you calling me telling me i need to make a decision quick does, does this does this look like Aaron layout or what like i'm i'm just trying to understand what's going on here no so during the day literally like you know they want you to they will tell you they want you to make a decision within 15 hours no you're not going to give me a timeline this is my body you're talking about and you're Mm. going to be on my guideline but then if you have to look at it through science you want the body you have a time frame yeah to get whatever it was that they needed so in the morning, while I was dealing with people texting me as I'm texting them to tell them he had passed, I think that process too was a little complicated for me. So it was easier for me to dump messages in group chats. <laughs> like the first 15 people I tried to text didn't even help. It's like once I just say, oh, I regret to say he has passed in me, before I even finish the, uh, the sentence to go to the next person, that person is calling me. So they are calling me. The organ donor people are calling me. So I... Um, ask them what do you guys need and they're like oh they need his skin now um a lot of people like black people they um have fire injuries and like how many degree burns i don't even remember but you know they need skin and it's very difficult to find like melanin you know Mm -hmm. to do the skin grafts so they really needed his skin. Now, I discussed it with my mom. And my mom said, your dad is a giving person. You should, if you feel like it's okay, I'm fine with it. You can, you know, donate his skin. And I was like, okay. Then I spoke with my uncle. And he was like, that would be fine. But you need to ask them what parts of his skin they need because he needs to look good in the coffin. Now, see, even the open coffin part two was another, um, it was another debate because of COVID. We weren't expecting anybody to be in church. We just wanted it to be family. Like literally that funeral was planned so quickly, you know. I remember. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because of COVID, we didn't think we were going to have an open casket or nothing. So even if they took out his skin, it wouldn't really, it really wouldn't have mattered because you're not going to see him open. But then my uncle said, this is what he, he said. And I think that was why I kind of took a, a hint was sometimes these people would take the skin because they said they wanted his butt and his back. So of course they don't need the rest of the skin, but, um, they don't put them well they don't put them back together properly the way they took them so even because the girl was telling me they will have to put prosthetic um you know like replacements so that he can be buried with it but my uncle was like by the time they put him back he probably might not look good so you know don't 
And then I also had to worry, you know, would he even have wanted that for himself? That too was another question I needed to ask. So I just automatically said no. That was, that was how I made that decision. You know, it was always one of two things. For the fact that my uncle said they're usually not well put back together. If they wanted a heart or a kidney, yeah, that's perfectly okay. I would totally give it because he's, it's not useful to his body. But the skin, and you know, um, you don't want him to start smelling. Even though he's been mm-hmm. embalmed and all that stuff, you don't want him to start to smell in the church or whatever. You know, we don't know. I have never, like given a funeral so I don't know what to expect and I didn't want to like make a decision and then end up regretting it I'd have rather given a kidney a heart you know something that you know they would sew him back up and it's fine not like they took off his skin and so now his body is already starting to decompose like much faster or something like that I mean like I imagine that's what you're saying Right, exactly. Or we start looking like an albino or having vertigo or whatever. So I was like, no. So that okay. was that. Yeah. So um, with that said, um, uh, sorry, I lost my question. Um, okay, but with that said, that, that's very interesting um, how you ended up making a bad decision. Um, there was something you said, I don't remember exactly what, but it triggered this other question that I had prepared, um, is when did it hit you, like how final death really is? Um, I know, um, for me, I remember, uh, when my grandfather passed, I think similar to something that you refer to in your first podcast is when I first learned of his death, I remember just keeping, like, I remember being really sad and I started to mourn. And um, I think I had a conversation with my dad and he said something like, oh, um, he wouldn't want you to be sad. He wouldn't want you to um, like just be frowny is your grandfather is a very cheerful person. So like keep your spirits up. And so I busied myself with like funeral preparation because I was here. He died in Nigeria with like funeral preparation, trying to like plan going back to Nigeria, like all of the different things like over the months, like between when he died and his funeral. But I remember uh, going to his house and like just being in like someone's house where they weren't. It was really weird. But then on the funeral day, like when we finally did have that open casket, I think that's when it, like for me, that was the moment it hit me. And I was just like, oh, wait, hold up. Is like, because I think you also referred to this in the last podcast is and when people start referring to them in the past tense and you're like, oh, it's, is that what we're really doing now? Like, like that for me was when like death really had a meaning where um yeah like I'll tell you anybody will tell you that I'm not a person that cries but the way I cried that day Miss if I know that I can't feel buckets but I guess <laughs> not not about me but for you when did it really hit you like the absoluteness and like I don't even know what's proper words to use to describe for how like final death is because a lot of other things you can undo you can reverse you can rewind sort of kind of manage it but death is not that like death is final okay so because his death was um expected it, it was just a matter of when not a matter of how um it didn't really hit me like that until 
I got the phone call that he had passed away. And that was when I realized that was it. It was final. The Sunday that I had to have him taken off the ventilator, I kind of reconciled my thoughts and saying goodbye. And I said everything I wanted to say. I was so happy to talk to him and he would listen, you know, and he would blink like, you know, he's listening to you. Of course he could hear me. And, you know, but then again, I went back on Tuesday and he was still alive, but then his urine levels had dropped. So I was like, oh my goodness, he's getting closer. So when I got the, the phone call, I drove down to Mr. Davis. I got there at two o'clock in the morning. They didn't, they didn't want me to go in. And I was like, I just lost a family member, so I need to be here. And they were like, oh, okay. And I went up to the room. He wasn't in the regular room that he was. It was just the very next room. And he had the really beautiful view. So I guess they wanted him to pass away, you know, just looking out the window and just like looking over everything. And then I looked at him on the bed and they didn't move him or anything. So the way he was, was the way he passed. And he just looked like he was sleeping. And I touched his hand and I touched his face. And then it hit me. This is it, Lola. You are not going to see him again. He's not going to open his eyes. He's not going to tease you about nothing. And then I started to cry. And that was the first time I had actually cried. And I think that was the last time I cried. I don't think I cried at the funeral. I don't think I cried at anything else. That was it. So that was where I had my closure that I'm not going to see him again. I was with him in the room for over an hour. And I talked to him, just, just kept talking like he was there or he could hear me. Because I knew that once they took him away, I wasn't going to see him until he was in the casket. So, um, yeah, that was, that was it. And then at the funeral, too, um, while I had to go say my goodbye before they closed the, um, the casket, yeah, it was, it was hard, you know. But the funny thing was I got there before everybody else. So I got to spend time with him, and I would touch his face and touch his hands. And I re realized the difference. He was cold like a fish. Like, he was like, they had just brought him out of the freezer. And mind you, the night before, he was prepped for burial. So the night before, by 8 o'clock, he was already ready, dressed to go. So he had been there all night. They didn't move him out of the room. So he was cold. He was so cold. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is oh my I can't my mom was like you're weird for even trying to touch him I was like but he's been a part of my life all these years what is so hard and she's like but he's dead I'm like yeah the body's dead not his spirit it's still you know? my dad right that's still my dad exactly you know but those kind of things scare the crap out of my mom so yeah it was it was just it was a crazy experience and I guess I was happy to have experienced it um I don't think anybody should be scared of maybe a dead body. I never thought I would um, not be scared. But I guess when things happen to you personally, you should live in the moment and experience it to the fullest. It has an impact of the way you look at life eventually. And I think that's what it did to me. So it's interesting when you say that about being scared of bodies. Like, 
I think our culture or some of our traditions make um, like dead bodies like a bad thing is like I feel like movies or stories make it seem like a dead body means you're going to start seeing or juju or ghosts or whatever it is and people will be haunting you and technically if you keep going down that path it's, it's something you must have done to the dead body or the person that is going to haunt you so that's a whole different like thing you have to find out you have to ask yourself reconcile with yourself what you did for the person to be coming back to you but to what you said is i know for me um yes i completely agree with you is in the moment like how your mom was just like ah why is no i think it's a good thing to do that to be there like touch him whatever it is but i also know for me personally um the hard part about that for me was just seeing someone um, that you used to play with, smile with, like joke with, all of that type of stuff, fully active, moving around, um, all of a sudden just so still. And knowing that like this body had been prepped and like embalmed like to be buried, it was just like a whole different feeling. Like just looking at them, knowing that even like their face, they stuffed their nose or whatever it is, it's just like, this is not the that person I used to know. I think that for me um, has been the hardest thing, like with reconciling, like standing in front of a dead body is just like, maybe trying to be like, this is not the last memory of you I want to feel or see. I want to remember you like smiling, moving, active, not like cold and stiff. Like that I think has been the biggest thing for me with like, if I won't call it, it's not a fear, but a, with being around a corpse, I think that's my biggest thing. Enough about me. Back to you. Um, I really have enjoyed this conversation. Um, Same here. I guess one other thing. So I have one more question for you before I have like some parting comments based on your last podcast again, but um, what would you say is a thing that um, you learned from your dad or things you experienced like with your dad that um, for you as an adult who I'm assuming um, or I imagine would love to like grow up and have like your own like rich family with your kids and all that kind of stuff is what is something that you learned and shared with your dad that you definitely want to make sure you pass along to like your um, kids and things that about your dad that you want them to know, even though they never met him, that you want them to know about him forever. Well, that's a lot of stuff. Um, (laughs) Fair with my dad was to just pretty much love him um I'm actually closer to my mother than I am to my dad but my dad was more invested in my life than my mom (laughs) so um my dad was a go big go home kind of person he always strived for the very best things in life for his kids and I guess when my brother and I were growing up we were very competitive in the sense that we could have the same common interest scores and just be on totally different polar opposites so what I mean is my brother and I had the same common interest score 
I had 5.11 and my brother had 5.11. But again, it was 5.11 to go to QC. And 5.11 for QC is rubbish, right? So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So 5.11 for QC is rubbish. But 5.11 for my brother was him being the best in his own school. So it, it was more like, it was just something. My dad was just like, oh, just make sure you do better than what, what you wear and all that stuff. My dad was always the one who took me to school. So I was, I think everybody knew my dad instead of my mom. Um, my mom only came to school when I got into trouble or when she had a question from the teacher that I, that she could, that I couldn't answer. So maybe I need PTA money. And my mom is like, what do you need this for? And I can't explain it. She's like, okay, I'll come to your class tomorrow. And that's the only time you see my mom. But my mom is not picking me up to take me home. She's going back to work as soon as she's done. So um, my dad pretty much did that with me all the time and take me to school take me to birthday parties um my dad was a good teacher he he had the patience to teach whatever it is you don't understand and he would make sure that whatever it is if he's explaining it to you you get it like he wants you to just get it um when it came to life lessons i don't know about like, I think when I became a teenager, I kind of got more, I got less attached to my parents like I should. Of course, it's a typical teenage life. You want to hang out with your friends. You want to do stuff. But we always functioned as a unit in my house. So, you know, everything, my parents always knew everything that I was about. You know, like, you're right, there's this boy that I like and my dad never mm -hmm. like those boy conversations you know i always had those boy conversations with my mom oh there's this boy that likes me and my dad is looking at me with side eye but he's not saying anything you know and um as i got older yeah you came i became more detached but then when we moved here and i and i realized they were getting older i guess i just thought to myself one day it was best to always spend time so once in a while we go out to brunch together and you know do stuff but my mom and my dad were each other's best friends so they spent more time together and i felt like a third wheel in the house because i felt odd you know they have their own little conversation they're not even worried about me or some days my mom would cook and then my dad would set the table like you know so they had their little roles that they did anyway and i'm just sitting there my dad is like oh do you want to eat oh yeah I'm a member of this family, am I not? Oh, okay, I was just checking. He's <laughs> like, oh, bring a plate for this one. You know, stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I miss that. I actually miss that. And then um, my dad would want us to go to the store together. We had this weird habit. I don't know if you watched the funeral where I played the last Sunday. He had this weird habit of, we would go to the store together and end up in opposite directions because he always wanted to do his own thing. And I would leave the car open. So whoever gets there first can get in, you know? Mm -hmm. And Sunday, I think I got there before he did. So I was sitting in the car and I was chatting with my brother because I think that day was Mother's Day and we we're supposed to go out to eat, but my brother was supposed to meet us up instead. I was going to come with them. And my dad just got back to the car and he stood in front of the, the car and he leaned against the, the shopping cart. And I'm looking at him like, why are you waiting for me? I'm in the car, right? And so I hung and then he jumped. If you had watched it at the it was so funny and he jumped like oh and then 
Like, I'm wondering why you're jumping. You know who owns the car. Like, the car is not just going to make that sound. And, of course, even if you came back here, you could have just gotten in the car instead of Almost waiting. Inside, yeah. And then I did it again. And then he looked. And then I'm like, hello. And he's like, oh, you were here the whole time. I'm like, yeah. So the the effect I was trying to get was to scare him because it's so easy to uh-huh. scare my dad. My dad would literally jump out of his skin. <laughs> he said so. I missed that. So, you know, there were just so many things like, you know, just growing up with my dad and just, it was just fun. You know, it was, it was just fun pretty much. And I guess that's what every child should strive for. And that's the reason why I want to marry somebody who would, again, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm in season three, episode six of my life. So, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you should go have a baby and this and that. And I think the point is, it's not about having a child. It's easy to have a baby. Just go, just get pregnant in nine months. Well, again, it's not easy for everybody. So let me not just say that. But, no, I understand um, what you mean. H- having the baby sometimes isn't the hardest part. Right. It's raising the child. And you want to raise a child with somebody who is grounded enough to be there as a parent. My dad was very invested in my life. So you would expect that my mom would be because I'm a girl and this and that. But my dad was very invested in my life. And these days, men, I don't know if they have calcified brains but they're just not the way our parents were. So you don't want to invest having a child with someone who is going to do the bare minimum. So when I mean the bare minimum is either you're just a sperm donor. or You don't have to explain that. Right. Or worst case scenario, you're dropping money. Oh, well, just money for diaper. You want that child to have that experience with you, Mm -hmm. you know, to go to the park and play and scream involved falls down she cries you know back Mm -hmm. then i used to have this stupid habit of crying when someone says something mean to me or if someone pushes me i would go home and cry like a baby and my dad would look at me why are you crying and i'm like oh this person was mean to me or this person pushed me or this and that my dad looked at me one day and he said when they hit you you hit back and i'm like ain't that the truth my dad said, yes, and do it hard. When they punch you, you punch back. Don't come here and cry, me, 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 me to me. I don't want to hear it. You didn't do anything there. You now came home to make noise. Right. You know, because back then, we would actually even get in trouble for fighting too. But my dad says, if they hit you, you hit back. You fight. Yeah. You fight for what you want. You fight for yourself. So if, I was, so if we're not here, if someone beats your brother, you come back with your brother and both of you are crying. No. So I had to learn that and I had to toughen up. So you need a, you need a, a model figure in your life. And that also goes for girls these days. You see all these young girls who are growing up and they don't seem to have a father figure in their life. So when they meet a boy, the boy is so quick to tell them what they want to hear because they don't have a father that would, um, that has been that model or that would provide that kind of support and love for them. So they look for it mm-hmm. outside and they get disappointed. So that's the thing with raising a kid. It's it's not just about having a child. There are so many kids that are up for adoption. And it's not because they chose that life. It's because their parents did not choose them. So, you know, there, there, there are those many kids. Why don't you go pick those up and raise them? But you want to raise them in a family setting. 
if you notice in the 90s, all the sitcoms we watched back then, Family Matters, The Cosby Show, they're all raised mm-hmm. around like family value. And everybody wanted to get married and have kids and have a family. You can sit at a dinner table. A dinner table was one of those common features of all these shows that we watched back then, right? You know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, all those things. So we watched all those shows and we had that like mentality, like, okay, we'll get married, we'll make money. Have a beautiful family, picture perfect, do this together. Exactly. And fast forward, this is our life and this is 20 whatever and all these reality shows with all these strippers and all this like crazy stuff you what are these kids being modeled after none of that and we are over here too trying to fit into a different generation and it's not happening it's not happening so we are disappointed because the kind of life that we want that we chose that we grew up with it's just like watching cinderella back in the day and now we are watching Frozen. You know, it's like that perfect fairy tale. We don't have that anymore. So it's like, where is the lie? <laughs> well, I guess now we're trying to be more realistic is before we used to paint happily ever after. And now it's like, well, it's not always happily ever after. I know. But Look yeah. at Cardi B. Look at Cardi B. Like yesterday I was like, yeah. woo. That's, a, that's, a, that's another podcast episode. Look. <clears throat> there are many podcast episodes you've brought up in this conversation. It's like almost everything can be a whole spin-off on on its own. I know, right? That's that's a totally so just imagine that back then when she was getting married. I mean she didn't have a glamorous wedding. She just went to the courthouse, signed papers and Yeah, they did their it. own quiet thing. So they did their own quiet thing. So I guess, you know, if she decided to leave I don't want to say she didn't have anything to lose, but again, again. <sighs> Mm-hmm. Look, it's interesting because, okay, if we just touch on Cardi for a bit is because um, people try to drag her and try to call her all types of things is if we're trying to talk about how people perceive things and how people want things to be, if she did it the right way, I'm putting air quotes, is in terms of they dated, they got married before she got pregnant, had her kid. Unfortunately for her, she now married a 2020 dude. And by that, I just mean disappointment is cheating on her, all that kind of stuff. Huh? I like that name, 2020. Dude. <laughs> and um, I guess it seems now she's made the decision that hey, she's going to leave. Is look, um, again, that's a whole different podcast. But I'm happy for her. Is for me, is I choose peace every day, over and over. Like right. continue to choose peace, choose happiness, choose yourself over and over and over is right. um if we're talking about happily ever after, you know, sometimes I wish like our aunties, our moms, our grandmas, our cousins, our sisters would be more honest and tell people like the truths about life and relationships and love and all that kind of stuff. Some par- some parents had like perfect quote unquote type marriages, but some didn't. But mummies are telling girls to go out there and have babies because your husband is 2020 and your children will make you happy. Those are the people that are setting up their children and their families. And it's exactly what we're talking about is like, yeah, you can have the kid, but do you have like the family that she wants? That's a whole different thing. Or are you both in this relationship like ready to bring up your family? Like, I love how involved you describe your dad um, as like, 
um, he was your teacher. He was like your friend. You had fun with him. You talked about how loving he was. Like you guys shared like a lot of experiences, even though he wasn't the family member that you would necessarily say you were closer to is your mom was probably maybe the best friend, but your dad was a great like companion. Like I love hearing that, that um, you had that experience with your dad. And I know definitely that's what you would hope like whatever future spouse you have would be with you and your children. So that's awesome to know that that happens and exists. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My mom used to call me his girlfriend. That's, that's what I'm described as. Oh yeah. That's my husband. (laughs) That's what I I guess she was jealous. (laughs) Well, she was jealous. She was, I guess she was. Yeah. You know, she had her moments, but she was, she was okay. She was good. She was the wife. So that's why, you know, (laughs) yeah so that that was yeah i miss my dad a lot i do some days i just sit there and you know it's it's so funny when i listen to 90s music it takes me back to mm. you know i then i remember a scenario because i remember that maybe i remember a song playing and then i'm like oh yeah i was here this is 1991 i was sitting in the car and i was getting ready to go to school and then that song reflects on just him doing that particular thing mm. so, or i go to i listen to a song from a birthday party and I hear it on the radio again and I'm like, wow, yeah, I remember that. And then I just start thinking about it all over again. It's like, isn't that go on. Isn't that the interesting thing about like life and like even just the human body slash mind and how it works is if you had heard that song two years ago, you would have just been like cool song and kept it chugging. But then right. now like how you can flash back to specific moments and specific times and like just enjoy them or like just reliving them in your mind like isn't that an amazing thing like like you said is yeah in your you're in your episode six of your third season no your sixth yeah your third season sixth episode yeah i said it right the first time is right. um but like just the memories and all of the stuff that you've accumulated is being able to flash back to specific times like isn't that like a wow in and of itself Mm -hmm. it is it is that's the reason why they tell people to always live in the moment you know tomorrow Mm -hmm. is not promised so live in the moment enjoy immerse yourself in those experiences you know people are like oh you know and that's the thing too um people are too busy working you don't spend time with your family. You don't spend time with people. You're not intentional about your relationship. And then guess what? The person dies. And then you start writing epilogues or whatever on social media. Oh, this person was as both to my bread. The cooker's to my cupboard. And this and that. And then... Give them their flowers while they're alive. Exactly. And then you didn't really... Like, it wasn't... It might have been impactful, but it wasn't so meaningful. You get? Mm-hmm. So... I don't regret every moment I spent with my dad. Like, it, it, it's so funny. While he was in the hospital, I think I have a recording of every day I went to go see him. So some mm. days when I really miss him, I start playing it back. And then I remember, and then I'm like, wow, he's no longer here. So I have those as, the, as you know, something to look back to sometimes, even though I don't like to see him in the hospital or the way he was. But it just gives me some form of peace and comfort. Like, oh, okay, well, he's in a better place and he's always going to be here with us. And, you know, that's that. So I, I like that. I, I'm cool with that. What would you say? So I lied about this being the last question, 
what would you say their reaction was like after that um, first episode is what was the reaction you got from people? Because I know you said a lot on that one, like even um, talking about people who reached out or people who didn't reach out. Um, did you get a lot of feedback or reactions from people from like just hearing it? Okay, rephrase the question. When you say feedback, like, oh, oh, from hearing what had happened? No, I guess in terms of feedback is, okay, so specifically, like, something else I was going to ask you about is, like, how you talked about um, you, when you were grieving, you had, like, a, a window of time that you had given yourself, like, pre-funeral is, if people want to come around, people want to um, express their condolences, this is the time, but then you started having people trying to come outside that window, and for you, you were just like, nah, like, there was a deadline, like, when daddy went into the ground, that was it for me, is, um, don't come around for condolence visits, is, um, and I guess just when you talked, just, I, I guess in my mind, that's kind of what I'm thinking about, is, um, for people who may have reached out, or people who promised and failed you, did you, do you, did you get any, um, like, feed, not feedback, but did you get any reactions from them trying to explain themselves or their behavior? No. After, after um, the whole whatever, um, no, not precisely. They're just like, oh, okay. you know, I'll come see you and this and that. And then, of course, the, the funeral is over. So it's like, it's pointless at this point. And I don't like, I don't like going back into that whole, yeah, we want to come see you. It's condolence. I mean, for three weeks, every weekend I was cooking. I was cooking like I had a restaurant. It was ridiculous. So, um once he was put in the ground, that was it. Like, we're done. Like, I actually want to go out. Like, these days I look for where to go. Like, I go on the map, map, whatever, and start looking. Is this restaurant open? Can we go out to eat brunch? Can we do this? Because I want to really go out. Like, I didn't have a summer this year because the whole of June was the whole funeral planning. July, the same thing. August, COVID, and all that stuff. Like, I didn't Ooh. do anything this year. So 2020, yes, it's a tired year. Yes, it's a year of losses. Yes, it's just, it's just been one thing or another. It's like, we keep surviving one challenge. Like I said, it's just yeah. like an Olympic challenge. You, they bring a new sport and you have to play it. You know, I don't know what October is bringing, but please, this thing needs to end. And November elections, I just don't know what's going on either. You call it Olympics. I think of it more like Hunger Games. Um, so that said, um, I guess I wondered about that is I do know that some people will say things like, oh, everybody will come in the beginning, but later nobody will be there. And so they try to say, you know what, I won't be part of the first wave. I'll come later when all of the crowd has gone. Did you, does, what is your take on that? Or do you still not care? I don't care. <laughs> I actually don't care. You, you, the thing is, I have to also look at it too. Again, it's it's not always all about me, right? I I like to um, think about it like how would they feel if I did that to them? Um, for starters, some people work and they work like shifts that are crazy. So whatever day of the week they might have decided to come see me, I might not be home because I might be at the funeral home, right? So I have to mm -hmm. think about it that way. So sometimes their schedule and my schedule would not work. And so they won't be able to come, even if they have the intentions of doing so, right? Some mm -hmm. people wanted to be there regardless of whatever happened, if they were alive or if they were dead or whatever, they just wanted to be there. 
Some people just wanted to make sure that I was okay. So they made sure that regardless of whatever my schedule was, they would show up and some people did. And meanwhile, some people just made, I think I call it mindless because you know how some people would just say something just because they want to sound or feel good but it doesn't necessarily mean that they mean it. And those are the people I easily spot quickly. Like, I'm like, yeah, I already know you're BSing. So we'll just keep, uh, we'll keep with the program. If you can, it's fine. And if you can, it's, it's okay. So I don't, I'm not going to hold it against anybody because this year is, it was really tough. Even planning the funeral was tough. I don't even think I invited a lot of people. Well, I don't want to say I don't think I didn't. You know, mm-hmm. I think I, I kept the list under 30 people. And that was it. People who wanted to, um, what should I say? People who wanted to make contact through um, um, Zoom, like some people, mm-hmm. they wanted to really be there. Like, oh, we'll be able to make it. Can we talk through? Can I, can I attend the funeral through Zoom? Yes. It got to a point that I was even giving out invitations, and after a while, I didn't even know who I invited and who I didn't. So. Well, yeah, I know, right? My mom's friend, I literally got scolded like two weeks ago. And she's like, oh, you know, has he been buried? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Call your friend, please. And she's like, even if your mom didn't call me, how come you didn't call me? And I'm over here getting lectured and I'm like, wow. I'm like, um, I'm so sorry. I know the last time I talked to your kids, because her kids kept telling me, hey, don't allow anybody to come to your house. Oh, because of COVID, make sure you check that temperature. Make sure. <laughs> so I'm like, the person that they even come to visit with my mom doesn't even care about this whole thing. As long as you just wear your mask and you sanitize your hands, she's okay with it. Because as soon mm-hmm. as people leave, I, I have towel floors. So I literally just mop the house with bleach. So whatever is trying to hang in the air, go. And I actually use a lot of sage. So I'm smudging your evil spirit. <laughs> No comment. I had COVID out of my house. No okay, comment. That's what I to say. Also, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, my bad. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just. I hear you. It's not, it's not no, I hear you. Yeah, so, you know, imagine somebody, their kids are telling you all of that on the phone. And these are grown women. And so how would you feel? You want to extend an invitation to their mom to, to come to the funeral. That lady will come dressed in a hamdat suit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. So you can stay in your house. But literally, I totally forgot about the lady. Like, she's my mom's closest friend, and she's the only one that lives out on this coast that could have literally come. She lives an hour away, and I did not tell her. So I really, really felt bad. But again, it was COVID. We blamed everything on COVID. So I really, truly appreciated people who took time to come. I, 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 cannot, I cannot overemphasize on that. It was a lot. People like took time off work. Oh, we're going to be there. We'll come. You know, people, you know, went on their lunch breaks. People were on Zoom. They were able to watch. So yeah, I truly appreciate it. You not understand from the depth of my heart. And so all you guys that kept sending me things on Amazon, I'm like, ah, even that notebook I got from you guys, man, I don't even think I, I can write to me. It should just be a souvenir. What happened? She's like, no comments. <laughs> oh, can you hear me? I can. 
Okay, I don't know what happened. It went off. I think COVID, COVID is definitely a um, blanket statement for 2020. Like, it's interesting is 10 years from now, someone, when we all say what happened in 2020, it's just going to be COVID. Some of us will have like pictures from our vacations and all the things that we did. And some of us will just be like, ah, no, that, don't you remember that year it was COVID? I know, I know. Even these days, all we do is throw like flashbacks of what happened. So, yeah. yeah. That's all that it was. Hey, we are, we, we, it's called a life well spent. You know, when they write those things, sure. don't ever underestimate those words. They are powerful. A life well spent. Sure. My dad lived his best life. I'm telling you, like if this, if there was no COVID, that funeral would have been Jesus. I don't even know who would have been able to make it, but yeah, <laughs> that funeral would have been the blast. A blast, like seriously, it was crazy. But yeah, he lived. It was a life well spent. So I'm happy. I'm literally that's happy. All, that's what we all pray for, right? Girl, yes. So that's why you should live your live your life intentionally, like literally. It's a statement. Live it intentionally. Be intentional about your friends, people you admit into your life, the things you do. That's why I love you now. Where did you go last year? Was it this? No, it was last year. Sorry. Nothing happened this year. You went to the carnival. Ah, ah. That was this year. Since when people are telling stories, that's the one thing I did. That was this year. It was this year. Oh, this year has really gone by. <laughs> it has gone far. But yep, that was this year. Imagine. <laughs> I was wow. thinking about that with my sister is when people are saying, when I tell some exactly, exactly what you're saying is when I tell people that I went to carnival in 2020, they'll say, no, 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 2020 was COVID. It was really? February. I know. If only someone had told us. Oh, oh yeah. It's crazy. Can we say? So one of the last things that I wanted to bring up because I know that in the last, in that same podcast, I keep referring to it, you and um, your darling host were talking about things that people say and like comments people make. And the one that you guys both agreed on that you hate so much is it is well. I didn't, I didn't say I hated it. She said it and then I had to tell her that it wasn't that bad. Okay. Is, um, so for me, I think that uh, okay, I, you are right. You did explain it as um, there are people who, and you said, for example, like Yoruba people, when they don't have money, rather than say, I don't have money, they say, is I have money. So right. people that speak positive mm-hmm. instead of um, saying exactly what it is. So I guess the, the feeling of not professing negativity. But I actually think that that saying, it as well comes from a different place. I don't know if you're familiar with the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Yep. But um, in knowing about that hymn, and uh, that's, to me, Seth can be its own podcast on its own, is um, I know well that that hymn was written by a person who had gone through, like, great adversity, if I may call it, I think, um, he had he, he had lost maybe his home in a fire and some of his family members like in a shipwreck or something it was he had I think it had a pretty rough um, couple of years and that's when he wrote that hymn and I think that that's where the saying like it is well with my it is well comes from or it is well with my soul and um, just reading like um, from the hymn it talks about um 
When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like seas billow roll, whatever my lot, that has thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. So I believe that, um, like the second verse goes, though Satan may buffet, though trials may come, let blessed assurance control that Jesus, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. And just keeps going on as it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. I think when people say it is well, so I guess this is me just putting out there. I think when people say it is well, it's not just a, oh, condolence. I don't know what to say to you. I think it's also like prof professing positivity or like trying to call calm into the situation is I'm just reminding because you also spoke about um, during times like this is hold on to whatever it is that you believe in. If it's God, if it is Orisha, if it is wood, whatever it is, like cling tight to that is I think it's the Christian um, whatever you may be going through just remember that it is well with you because you have God so I think that's where that it is well comes from not a typical Nigerian nonsense or when people say chairman or Gasa, those empty <laughs> statements or comments I can't I can't deal with you but yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah that's true that, actually, that's a very interesting outlook because I never even knew that people were really, I mean, well, back then people actually sat down and thought about songs to write, not right now where people are writing WBYAC, WAP, yada, 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 yada. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Let's not talk about those abbreviations because when people start writing alphabets, I'm like, huh? <laughs> anyway, my last, 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 last comment it's taking us back to the very beginning of this podcast. So Lola, I know that at the beginning of the podcast, you introduced me as a QC alum and a member of your book club that doesn't actually read anymore, but you know, at some point in time we used to, Shala Book Club. But Lola is, uh, I feel like we've been knowing each other longer than that. We met probably in the 1994, 95 time frame. So if, if I may say so myself, I think you may need to reintroduce me in a different way that is not book club or QC, but, you know, take it way back to the beginning where we truly met each other. Ah, you won't like this introduction, Shao. So ah, wait, 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 let me respect myself. Let me respect myself. I honor my youth. I think you should refer to, I think you should refer to when we first met rather than just limited to QC and book club. How about that? Don't say too much. We only have a few little. minutes. You were still little wearing glasses. We are putting not me, my twin. <laughs> my twin wearing glasses, not me. See now I can't even tell which one of you. You know what forgetting. We're not doing this introduction anymore. It was used as an adult in season three or whatever episode of your life. Bye. <laughs> Lola. I've been knowing you. It's not book club. It's not book club. It's not QC. But it's we so know cool. from VGC, from back then, from VGC, from, from an impressionable. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll give you an impressionable. Yeah, back then when they were still little and inquisitive. Hi. It was uh, twenty six years ago. Wow. But that's okay. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting because, um, yeah, kids that were born in 1994 are in the workforce with you and I. Can you imagine? I'm really they are in our teams. 
I know. That's why when I tell some, some of these girls that I'm not their age mates, they don't get it. I'm like, because you have entered puberty and passed puberty doesn't mean we're age mates. I was in high school when they gave back to you. This. My coworker was one telling me, I don't remember how the conversation came up, but we were just talking generally and she was talking about how she referred to the fact that she was young. But when she said young, in my mind, I'm like a little younger than me. When she was talking about her 23rd birthday, I can't explain it to you how I felt in my heart because I was like 23. Then <laughs> I did the math for myself and I was like, what year was she born? And I was like, ha, oh, me, ne, ha, Lola. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I get it, girl. 23. Ah, like, what, what? She was born in 97. Ah. Can I tell you many things about 97? <laughs> I was getting ready to write SMJSSC. Sis, 97. I was like, ah, you know what? Um, ah, Shebe, we are ah. not mates. You're not mates. You will in not call me. By Nigerian standard, you can call me auntie. Call me senior. <laughs> Egbon. <laughs> But yeah. When I get to work, you should say, Ma. Ma, you knock on my door before you come in. You know that back then. You see back then, if you go upstairs like this, your your the, the shoulder pad, if that back then, if we had shoulder pads in our blouses or in our pinafores, God have you missed. Just to just go from Jess's one to Jess's two, you start telling Jess one girls, you need to knock on the door. And if you don't hear, the whole class will now tell you to go, oh, oh my God. I'll oh, be back. Go outside, go and knock. Go beside you, you enter, and somebody says they didn't hear you knock. They didn't hear the knock. I remember my first week in QC, it was the most ridiculous thing. I got punished on SS3 corridor because someone was, somebody looked at me and I looked back at her. And she was just like, why are you looking at me? And I think I shrugged. And immediately she was like, follow me. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I followed her, punished my life. I don't remember how long I was kneeling for. I think I was a day girl then. So even it was time to go home. Everybody that was supposed to be going home was like our neighbor and co was trying to like find a way to get us out of punishment because it was time to go home or something. I think I went to see my family friend on, in, um, in her class. It was SS3Z. I went to see my family friend. She wasn't there. That's how we now got into this whole looking at somebody battle. The worst part is look at me, little cute, tiny little cute girl with long hair. In the end, the whole crowd of people that punished me, now all of them signed up to be my school mother. I was like, so why did you do this? Like, what was this about? Like, after and all of the punishments, and I said, okay, so you be my school daughter. Really, dog? Ah, uh, your destiny changed from there. I will let that really anyway, right behind you. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I think um, QC was the only time in my life that um, my cute looks did anything for me. And that was probably like GS1, GS2. After that, what happens? I didn't quite change from that time. I don't, I can't tell you that I grew either, but you know. I'm done. <coughs> I am done. We are doing this on a good note. <laughs> we are doing anything. I am done. I can't. <laughs> she said, no, no, no. We are going to, we are going to edit that part. Like, no, I'm not. But that's crazy, young. <laughs> All right. Back then, now we're kids. We used to think that there were so many things that would take us to different places. Then you get to become True. an adult and you're like, wait, what's going on? 
you be looking at the person, the person be looking at you. Yes, I said no. Ah. Then you're not flashbacks to when you were a kid where you could literally like wiggle your way through anything, including punishment. I can count how like kiss yourself she would be a different podcast, like literally. Like I can yeah. count how many times I was I had near punishment experiences, the things that I could have been punished for and I didn't get punished for. And then in, in adult life that I'm even paying bills. I am paying these people and they'll be doing shakara for me. They'll not tell you no. You'll not be like, no, yes, I said no. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's not my into your reality like quickly. Girl, it's like but 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 I'm paying. Oh, but care. I can pay. Mm-mm. You don't care. Mm-hmm. Even now that we Ma'am. have this place. Can oh, you accept yourself and move to the back? Uh-huh. <laughs> you just move to the back as they requested. Requested, exactly. Exactly. Yep. But this has been lovely. Thank you for inviting me to your wonderful podcast. I am very happy for you that you are in your season two, living your best life. I am. Thank you. Doing what you planned to do. Because a lot of people want to do things or say they want to try things, but they just never get around to it, me included. So, look, I support anybody that's doing anything that they want to do, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Is better to be doing something than nothing at all. Is let's not all shoulda, woulda, coulda at the end of everything and say I should have. Is yep. Like they say, you regret the things you didn't do, not the things you actually did. So let's do more of what we want to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much. I had so much fun with you talking with you. We should do this again. You should be a guest when we have a controversial topic because I think I want to have you on that panel like helping me to beat town hall meeting I'm here for you girl amen amen well yes everyone I had the delectable tea also known as Taiwo on the podcast (laughs) she asked me awesome questions I guess everyone kind of has a feel of the type of person I am you know so if you knew me last year, this is a different person. So just, just so you know, this is a different season. This is a different episode. And next episode will even get better. So I hope you guys have an awesome week. On the next podcast, get ready. Oh, my God. Hey. Anyway, T, it's time for you to go to bed, I guess. Well, why am I even sending you to bed, please? Go and talk to um, your money. Go do something. Um, I pray for that sugar honey to come. Amen. I pray for so that we can be talking to each other, like you said. Amen. But until then, um, my sugar honey that pays my bills, my sponsor is, uh, you know, the lovely employer. So, you know, we'll go to bed so we can rise and face the sugar daddy one more it's time. Good to have a job. It's good to have a job so that you will not be broke and nobody will come and tell you stories that touch the arts. Hello, hello, especially in this 2020. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast again. And I look forward to debating something else as a guest. Amen. Amen. And I would love to have you too. Thank you so much. And everyone, I hope you have an amazing week and an amazing weekend. And hopefully it's eventful, positively eventful as opposed to. Please, nobody should plan any gender reveals. Nobody should do anything crazy. 
so that we can have a long lasting enjoyable rest of 2020 for me it's too tada bye good night good night bye lala hey, i drive home I hope you had an amazing time on the Whistling Beautiful podcast today. Hope the topic was inspiring and refreshing. And I hope to see you again on the very next episode. Have a wonderful one. Thank you.